Amen. Uh, it's good to be back with you guys this morning. Um, we were out of town last Sunday, a little family vacation right before it. Roman school doesn't start until Monday. I know there, most of you got a week of school under your belts, but Roman's got uh, his starts Monday. So we, we, we got out of town for just a little bit. Um, but we're, we're starting a new series today. It's, it's just a little bit different um, than what we've been talking about. It's only a two-week series, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how it came about. So it was really two texts that launched this series. One of them was uh, from one of our elders sent me a text that just, this was two or three weeks ago, that said, hey, um, have you ever thought about talking about the, the long-term effects of COVID? Like just, just how it's affected us as you know, society, culture, but also personally. Like it upended so many things in so many different parts of our lives and I think we're, we're still struggling with it in some sense. Like, it, you know, it's, there's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's had an effect. Physically, it's had an effect on us. And I know everybody's, you know, quote, done talking about it. You know, well, I don't want to talk about that anymore. But emotionally, we're still dealing with it. So maybe at some point, talk about that, do a message on that. And um, I think he's right. I mean, I think it, it, it was a major, major disruption. And I get the whole, like, oh, yeah, we don't talk. We've been talking about that for two and a half years. But I, I think it was a major disruption uh, within our society, within our culture, within every aspect, the way we do church, the way we do families, the way we do uh, vacation. Like, we're still feeling I just went on vacation. I'm still feeling the effects of it. i got to show my status to go into certain places and things like that. And so... Um, it, it did change us in many, many different ways. And, and I don't even know that we fully understand all the ways that it changed us. I, like, I don't even know that we recognize some of the ways that it changed us. But I just think about it from the perspective of a church. Um, you know, the church that emerged post-COVID looks very different than the church pre-COVID. Like, it, it, it just, it's it got a very different feel to it. Not only in terms of, you know, like numbers or, or who's here or things like that, but just the, the way we participate in the life of the church has changed drastically. Those of you online right now would, would agree. You know, like, like the way we participate in the life of the church has changed, especially when it comes to small groups. And when you came in this morning, there was a little flyer on your seat for small groups. And uh, our appetite, our desire, our willingness for small groups is much different than it was three or four years ago. And that's the second text that launched this series. It was Tim, and he had sent me a text uh, several weeks ago and said, hey, I don't know what you got planned for the 1st of August, but can we talk about groups? Can you make some time in Sunday morning to talk about groups? Because we're getting ready to kick off our group season on August 21st, and this is going to be the first semi-normal group season we've had in about three years. And I'm like, no, no, we had a, last year we had a normal one, and I went back and looked. I mean, last year was the Delta verge, uh, surge. I don't even, I didn't even remember that, but we didn't, we haven't really had a normal group season, like a normal launch to groups in a while. And so Tim said, we just, can you just talk about it and promote it? Because I think we've kind of fallen into some bad habits. And, uh, and he's right. And, and he was talking to me because <laughs> I'm one of the people that's fallen into bad habits. I mean, like we had to for a while, we had to stop meeting. Like the, we, we couldn't, you couldn't go to groups because we didn't know what was going on and nobody knew kind of the exact nature of the virus and all this stuff. So we didn't, you know, we, we stayed away from gatherings. But after six months, eight months, a year, longer for some of us, we started going back to stuff. Except there were two areas of my life that I didn't go, like, before COVID, I was going to the gym every day, 
and I was very active in small groups every week. Uh, neither one of those things has really started back the way they should. So it's, and it's not like I started going out to eat again, and I started going to the movies again, and I started going to football games, and basketball games, and volleyball games, and you know, all, you know, I would go out into all these other aspects of my life, but the routine of the gym, my, my physical, you know, taking care of my physical self, that slipped a little bit, and the routine of the spiritual, taking care of myself, you know, through groups and community, and that, that slipped a little bit, and it's just bad habits. I mean, that's, that's all it is. I mean, it, it's not it's not because I'm, I'm scared to go to group. It's not because I'm scared to go to the gym. It's just over a course of two or three years, I developed new habits, and it's amazing to me how quickly habits form, which is good news and bad news. I like it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how quickly you can change a habit where you were doing something every day for a while or doing something every week for a while, and then over just a few months, that can change. For, for good or bad, it can change. And so when, you know, I got Tim's text, I got this elder's text, and I was kind of putting all that together, and I said, you know what, we ought to talk about it. We ought to just, because these two things are connected. I think they're connected more than we realize. And I decided to call it the new normal is not normal which gives away my conclusion. I realize by making that the title, you already know where I'm going with this series and you know exactly what I'm gonna talk about because when, when COVID first started, there was a, that phrase was kind of the buzz phrase. Beside the unprecedented, that was the other buzz phrase, unprecedented, everything was unprecedented, uh, the new normal. And so, and they were talking about, you know, masking and social distancing and, uh, quarantining and staying away from large gatherings and staying away from small gatherings and not getting together for Thanksgiving with your family and not getting together with church and all that kind of stuff like that's the new normal and I'm making the argument in this series it's only two weeks long it's not the new normal that's not normal that is not I mean I understand that we had to do it for a while I get that I totally understand that and that that is normal having to pause some of those things for a while for the protection and safety and health of others but it's normal is like handshakes and hugs and normal is getting together and having dinner with people and normal is being able to gather with your family and have thanksgiving and normal is being able to have uh christmas and normal is being able to gather together in church and say hello to people exactly what you've been doing today that's normal and so that's what i wanted to talk about today and i've got a text i think you if you've been around here for a while you probably know what text i'm going to go to uh, to get it but i want to show you a little bit of research first and uh, this is interesting to me this this is a survey that was done uh, they they uh, surveyed 14,000 people in seven countries and the US was one of them they're all modern Western countries so this is like England France US I don't remember all the countries that were in it and they were asking about the effects the long-term effects of COVID how, how the pandemic upended our society and they did this in 2020. So I realize the material is kind of dated. I totally understand that. But I think it is still relevant to today. So I want to take you through this real quick because the conclusion at the end of it, I think, is, is really interesting, what, what the conclusion was. But So this is a, a survey of 14,000 people. This first one I'm going to show you is they said that in the U.S., they said we've got, what is that, seven different tribes and these are political tribes, but they're also geographic, and they're also age and demographic. So seven different tribes is the language they use. And you're familiar with this. If you go to the far right, it's devoted conservatives, and the far left, progressive activists. Now, it's interesting to me, and as you move to the middle, to the politically disengaged, 
the, the highest number is the politically disengaged. The lowest number is the far right and the far left. But all of the discussion online comes from the far right and the far left. We, we really ought to keep that in mind. So most of the content that we uh, consume in the media, in social media and traditional media, is coming from the smallest population groups. They just happen to have the loudest voices. So the reason I'm showing you that is because that's the way they break down the, the survey. And I know this is going to kind of be hard to see uh, because, you know, I'm, just, I'm still in some slides from this group. It's called More in Common is the way they did it. So this is the, the impact of COVID. I'll just step through. There's four sections to it. The impact of COVID on our personal lives. And this was the conclusions. Number one, Americans feel their mental health has worsened more than their physical health. And that was early in the pandemic. Uh, when there was still a lot more, the, the physical toll was a much more significant than it is now in some of these other variants. But they still feel that mental health has worsened more than physical health. And then second, Americans' financial situations are also in decline. Again, that was back in 2020, but we're in the second quarter of a recession in 2022. So, um, and those two things probably go together. Because when our financial health declines, it tends to have an impact on our mental health and our relational health. The second one was about division. More than 70% of every tribe perceives that the country is divided. Um, and this was interesting, you know, if we had time to break it down, they break it down on like, you know, the progressive activists felt more, 81% in that group felt that the country was more divided and the conservatives were a little bit less, only 50%. But the majority in every group, except the politically disengaged, they were the only group that said, no, we're not that divided. Why? <laughs> because they're politically disengaged. They ain't keeping up with it. No, we're not divided. What are you talking about? Uh, most Americans, this was the other part in this one, most Americans feel that the tone of public debate in the country has gotten worse. Every one of the groups, except for one, the politically disengaged, because <laughs> they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so the politically disengaged might be onto something. <laughs> but they feel the country's been divided, and the tone of public debate has gotten worse. What was interesting is compared to the other seven countries in the survey, America had the most amount of division and um, the, like we were the worst when it came to division among all the other countries that were in the survey. And if you're wondering why, just check your mailbox if you're wondering why in the last few days. Um, the third one was about trust and information. And this was that more than 40% of Americans feel that trust in other people is worse because of the pandemic. So the pandemic affected our trust. And I, I think this one hasn't gotten any better in, in the last two years. And it's, it's affected our trust in institutions. It's affected our trust in, in leaders, government leaders, spiritual leaders, business leaders. Uh, it's affected our trust in, in the science community. I mean, it's just across the board. And this is only, this is, again, this is saying 40%. It kind of differs depending on the different tribes. Um, I hesitate to show you this next one, but I'll tell you why I'm going to show it to you. I, I, the only reason I hesitate to do it is because as soon as you read it, you're like, oh, he's gone political. Uh, conservatives trust President Trump, while liberals trust scientific experts above all others. Now, don't worry about the title. I want you to look at this line graph. What the line graph is, is it's showing you from left to right who we trust. On the far left is your relatives and friends and your personal doctor. So all seven groups trust their relatives and friends and their personal doctor. At least 75% of them do, <laughs> which is not real high. Um, and then as you go down, it shows that like conservatives trust 
President, well, I put it this way. The more progressives distrust business leaders in Trump the most. He got the lowest on that. And then conservatives distrust their local mayor and influencers on social media the most. So influencers on social media is on the far right, and pretty much every group doesn't trust them, which tells you that there is some hope for our country, that no matter where you fall politically, we still don't trust the social media influencers. So uh, the reason I'm putting that up there is it just shows you the, the extent that trust has happened. And, you know, we trust the people closest to us, but all these other institutions, trust is suffering. Now, here's the final conclusion of the, the, the study. This was policy priorities. And uh, I wish we had time to dig into it, but we don't. It goes through a ton of, like, what should America become more of? Should we become more healthy, more safe, more fair, more patriotic, more family-oriented, more tolerant, more Christian, more traditional, more prosperous, more self-confident? And among all of those choices, the number one thing that most people wanted was a more united and equal country. That was the number one thing we wanted. Was we, we just want a more united. And it doesn't matter what part of the political spectrum you fell on, what part of the country you lived in geographically, um, what age you were. We want a more united and an equal country. Now, this is where I, I stopped and said, okay, that's what we want. The question is, are we willing to put in the work that it takes to get that? Because you know how you get a more united country? By sitting down and spending time with people who don't see eye to eye with you by sitting down and spending time with people who are different than you politically, uh, economically, culturally. By, 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 and I'm not talking about online community because online community tends to be echo chambers. And I'm not talking about arguing over memes back and forth. I'm talking about sitting down and spending time with people who might see the world different than you, who might experience things different than you, and having real, genuine conversations, conversations where you engage in respectful dialogue, and you're kind to one another, and you build empathy with one another, and you actually get to know one another, not the character of one another that's been painted online, not the us-versus-them mentality, but you actually just sit down, and you get to know somebody for who they are. That's how you build unity. You meet together in community to build unity. And then I got to thinking about it from this perspective. If we were to do a survey like this of Christians and say, what's most important to you about your faith? Like, what do you want out of church? Why are you coming to church? What are you wanting? What's the most, you want good sermons? You want good worship? You, you want fancy bulletins? You want a good looking website? You want nice air conditioning? You know, like, what do you want most out of church? I think high on that list for most of us would be, I want community like I want I want friendships and relationships with people who you know share my belief and and I just I want to be in community with other people that's that's one of the things that we want as Christians the other stuff's important too but I I mean I want I want community the question then becomes are we willing to put in the hard work to get it because you know how you get community get ready because this is an earth I mean I've been thinking about this for for two weeks all right you ready The way you get community, the way you build community, is by being in community. I think, woo, man, that's deep thoughts today. The way you build community is by being in community. If you want to build, if you say, what's most important to me is building community, but then you isolate yourself from all attempts at community, and you don't take the effort to to get involved in community or meet with other people, you're not going to build community. If, If that's what's important to us, then we have to show up and meet together with one another. That's how you build community. Uh, Woody Allen put it best. 
80% of success is showing up. He was talking about small groups at church. Um, that's not what he was talking about, but it, that applies to small groups at church because people all the time be like, I just don't know anybody. I mean, I love it. I just, I don't have any friends. I don't know enough people. And I just don't, I don't even know how to do that. Show up. I mean, that's where it starts is showing up. And that's not Woody Allen's idea. That idea belongs to somebody who we don't know his or her name, but they wrote the book of Hebrews. We have no idea who wrote the book of Hebrews, but that's who actually came up with that idea that 80% of success is showing up. You're familiar with this passage, Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So this writer of Hebrews is writing to these people to, to say, you know, listen, you guys need to, people have always struggled with meeting together. People have always struggled with building community. Why? Because we're people. And we're messy, and we're sinful, and we got all these different opinions. If all of you just agreed with me, the world would be so much simpler. I mean, if everybody just agreed with me politically and, and theologically, and I mean, the world would be so much simpler. I wouldn't have to work on my patience. I wouldn't have to work on loving other people. I wouldn't have to work on my joy. I, I mean, the, the world has always struggled with this humanity has always struggled with this. So this writer of Hebrews is saying, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. And why do you need to meet together? This is not, he did not, the writer of Hebrews didn't write this down thinking, all right, this is going to be a great verse right here that preachers can guilt people into attending church. Man, this is going to be, preachers going to wear this one out. That's not why he gave this verse. It's not about attendance. It's about meeting together. And he gives you the reason why. The reason we meet together is to encourage one another. I mean, that's, that's why we want to meet together is to encourage one another. If you're raising kids, my guess is, Dusty mentioned a bunch of kids in the room. You know, my guess is if you're raising kids, you need some encouragement to hear, my kid's not the only one doing that. I thought they were the only one doing that. If you're raising teenagers, you need a little bit more encouragement. You know, like, uh, you, I'm like, you, how do I do, how do I do this? How do I, uh, how does this work? I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what to do anymore. If you're married, I'm guessing you need some encouragement. If you got a job and you work with other people or you work for somebody, I'm guessing you need encouragement. If you teach, you probably need a lot of encouragement this week because, you know, you had the first three days of school. I mean, like, all of us in every aspect of our lives need encouragement. And we get encouragement not just from, you know, podcasts and sermons and stuff like that. We get encouragement from meeting together with other people who are going through the same things that we're going through and talking about life. And we're trying to build a, you know, Christian family and a Christian home and trying to do the things that I'm supposed to do as a believer and getting together and encouraging one another in that. That's why... Our community groups exist. Our community groups exist for the purpose of getting Christians together to encourage one another. They're not deep, deep study groups. They're not lecture groups. You know, I, we, we get this confused a lot because a lot of people will be like, well, I'm, I'm, I need to be learning more, you know, scripture here. I need to be being taught more in my study group. The, the community group is not a study group. It's a community group. It's where we come together and have community. We eat together. We pray together. Uh, we pick apart the sermon together. <laughs> we study a book together. Whatever it is, the key word is together. And when we're together, when we meet together, we encourage one another. And if you look at the verse right before this in Hebrews 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's the other thing that happens when we meet together. 
All the great ministries of this church have come from Christians meeting together and saying, you know, we ought to do something about that. You know, we ought to provide a ministry that addresses that in our community. Or you know what? Our kids, we, we got to invest in our kids. We need to have a ministry for our kids. You know what? Our students, I mean, we, we got a student ministry because people, you know, at this church 20 years ago were like, hey, we got to make this teenage ministry, that's got to be a priority for this church. That's got to be something that's important to us. And that meeting together, you, you spur one another on to acts of love and good works. And that is normal. That's normal. That's the way church is supposed to operate. That's the way society is supposed to operate. Yeah, I can make a biblical case for quarantine because there are examples in the Bible when people quarantined for a certain period of time. But it was for a certain period of time. It wasn't forever. You know the phrase, the new normal? If you look it up in thesaurus and you look up synonyms for new and synonyms for normal, here's the other ways we can put this. The new normal is the strange routine. The new normal is the unusual standard. The new normal is the unfamiliar order. And I think those do a better job of capturing what we've dealt with in the past three years. We had to deal with it, but it was strange, unusual, and unfamiliar. It's not, it's what tended to be normal. It can't be normal. Here's normal. Let me show you normal from the Bible. This is Acts chapter 2. And I think it's interesting because we never think of this as normal. We always read Acts chapter 2 and go, wow, that's incredible. Wow, I, wow. It's, I think Luke intended us to read this and go, hmm, yeah, that sounds about right. That's normal. Here's the way it describes the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So there's the biblical precedent for eating at small group. Um, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And you notice, as this description of the early church, you notice how much of it has to do with togetherness. That they were together. There's a fellowship. They were sharing meals together. They were praying together. They were meeting together. They were sharing things together. They were giving together. They were worshiping together. They worshiped in the temple each day. And then they met in their homes for the Lord's Supper. So they met from home to home and in the temple courts. And so all of this togetherness it talks to, I think that's normal. Like that's, that's what's normal is community and being together and being together with other people. And um, if we've got out of the habit of it, and I'm just going to preach to myself just real quick. Y'all can listen in. If, if we've got out of the habit of it, it's time to buck up and get back in the habit. Like, it's to, I, 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 like we were doing it before, doing it all the time before, and I just got out of the habit and made some bad habits. And I kind of like having my, my Sunday afternoon free now. I, okay, we'll pick another night to meet. <laughs> no, but, I, you know, we, if we've got out of the habit, let's get back in the habit because we need it. We need it for each other. We need the encouragement that comes from it. We need the motivation that comes from it, from the inspiration that comes from it. And we need to be able to spur one another on to love and good works. That's normal for us. And, uh, and, and we need normal. We need that, that routine. And we need that, that, that encouragement back in our lives. 
You know, while I was on my trip, uh, Tim and Scott were working on a promo for small groups because, you know, we were getting ready to talk small groups and they come up on August 21st and they were putting together a video. I didn't know they were putting together a video, but I got a copy of it Friday because Tim emailed it and was like, hey, can we include this in the service? Maybe Ebony can talk about it when she does the welcome. Uh, it's just a little promo for small groups. And I watched it and I said, no, I, that's mine. I get to use that. That's in my sermon because what they're talking about is exactly what I'm talking about in the sermon. It's like Chance and Lauren knew what I was going to talk about, and they actually wrote my sermon, except they did it in three minutes, and it took me 20. Um, I want to show you what they have to say. And then the band's going to come back out while we're watching this video, and I'll, I'll say just a little bit as we wrap up. But this is Chance and Lauren McGee talking about deciding to get back into groups to start meeting together with other people. Here's their experience. Watch this. Hey everyone, my name is Chance McGee and I'm joined by my wife, Lauren McGee. We've been attending Murray Hills together for about two years now. Um, my wife, she's been around Murray Hills a little bit longer than I have. Yep, I've been here since about high school, um, on and off, you know, after college a little bit, and then whenever we got married as well, so. Yeah, so we've been, I would say, consistently attending here for, for a couple of years now, and and uh, up till probably this year, um, we have been mainly just coming to the worship service, uh, coming here uh, either 9.30 or, or 11, and then, and then kind of bolting and, and then going for lunch. But this year, we decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, we decided to get integrated within a small group here, uh, here at church. And uh, with the support of Tim and, and the other staff here, uh, we were able to get placed. And fortunate for us, uh, we were also able to get placed with people. Uh, it, this was also their first small group experience at Murray Hills. And, and to us, what's important for a small group uh, in our mindset is we wanted to be around real authentic people. Um, oftentimes, a lot of us put on fronts and, and faces and uh, Try to pretend everything is right uh, but the unique thing about our small group uh, and i'm sure many other small groups here at murray hills is uh, we're all truth to each other we're true to the word uh, and we share god's spirit with everybody um, so those are some of the big primary things that we look for in a small group here uh, we feel like we have found it up here at murray hills and i'd also like to add as well that uh, church is really one of those things that uh, you, you really get back what you put in um, if you put in a lot of effort and make an effort to get integrated, meet people uh, here at church, you will get a, you will get rewards in return. Uh, the glory of God will be bestowed upon you. And we have truly felt that since we've gotten uh, into a small group here. So I challenge everybody, uh, when you're at service next uh, Sunday morning at Murray Hills, uh, take a look around. Uh, look to your left, look to your right. See how many people you really know. Um, Odds are you probably don't know many people, uh, but you can you can help fix that, and you can start by joining a small group. Uh, so I encourage everyone to take that leap. We were anxious about it, especially because we didn't know nobody, uh, but uh, it, it was one of the be best decisions that we made. And it was really important for us, um, after having a baby, to kind of, I guess, reconnect ourselves with another group of people that also had small children as well, because after having a baby, it can be a little isolating. So. Getting back in that small group was definitely something that really helped us both, so. Yeah, and speaking of isolating, coming out of all the, the COVID uh, shutdown requirements and uh, things of that nature, getting 
getting reconnected and reintegrated with uh, society was important for us. And what better place to do that uh, is that church. Yeah, what they said. Um, and you're like, really, you could have saved us 20 minutes. Um, that's, this sermon ends with a call to action and a prayer. The call to action is, is what Chance and Lauren were talking about right there. Uh, sign up for a group. Our groups start on August 21st. That's the week that they start meeting is August 21st. I've got a new series that starts then right there. But August 21st is when the groups start meeting. You sign up for them online. You go to the Church Center app, hit groups, look at the list of groups, see if you're interested in one. I had somebody sign up for for mine this morning. So, I mean, just look for the ones you're interested in and go, yep, I'm interested in that one. Send an invite. Tim gets the invite. The group leader gets the invite. And they'll let you know when they're meeting and all that kind of good stuff. If you look at that list of groups and go, hmm, none of them sound that interesting to me, start your own. I mean, really, it's, I mean, it's, it's that easy. If you contact Tim and say, hey, I got a group of friends. We all come to church together. We sit together on Sunday mornings. Is there any way we could do a small group? I mean, yeah, you could do that. We, that's how some of our small groups have started because somebody's reached out and said, I got some folks I'd like to get together with and, and do a study, and how, how do we do that? And, and you can do that. So that you do all of that. You sign up on the group's page. It's online. It's in the Church Center app. You email Tim at Murray Hills. That's the call to action. Uh, you'll hear more about it next week, too. The prayer is the song we're going to end with today. And we hadn't done a closing song in a while, and I was looking at the list, like, it'd be great if we could close with a song. And uh, the perfect one was sitting there. God, turn it around. And that's my prayer. You know, if, it's, if we've got it, and it could be something as simple as I've got in some bad habits, so I'm praying, God, turn it around. Turn that around. I need to change my habits. It could be something even more significant than that, though. It could be dealing with some, you know, mental or emotional health issues and, like, God, just turn it around. It could be your marriage. God, turn it around. It could be, you know, family, dealing with kids, dealing with siblings, dealing whatever. It's just a prayer that however our lives have been upended, for whatever reason our lives have been upended, God, turn it around. Let's stand together and we'll close our services with this today.
something he is up to something god is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now right now and he is moving mountains making a way for someone god is doing something right now he is moving mountains making a way for someone Doing something right now, right now, and he is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something right. are encouraged by today's talk feel free to share it with your friends please also consider rating and subscribing on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts to learn more please visit us online at murrayhills.com